0: mm back to Pop Culture Footnotes, the podcast that keeps you in the loop on all things pop culture so you can talk about it with your friends. I'm Courtney. (laughs) I'm Shannon. And we are joined this week by Brett Williams.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: (laughs) My brother. (laughs) Shannon's (laughs) brother. (laughs) But yeah, so this week we are gearing up for St. Patrick's Day in a big way with The Departed. Um, But first we want to get into our segment, our Media of the Week. So
2: Shannon, what are you reading or listening to or watching right now? Yeah. um, So, since the last time we we recorded, I saw a bunch of movies. (laughs) Um, I want to talk about the one I like most, which is Love Simon. Okay. Um. Actually, doesn't release until this coming up weekend. Technically, Um, there was like an early showing, Mm -hmm. Um, so you can all go still see it the weekend of premieres. Um, It's based off of a teen like uh, novel uh, that I really like called Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda um anyway it was delightful and charming he's a uh, gay this teenager and he hasn't come out to his family yet and he's trying to figure out how to do that and he writes these like secret letters with his secret admirer blue and it's just really romantic and cute and more representation than we normally get in film for this age group for some reason yeah yep how about you Brett
1: right on huh? Uh, well as a gamer I've been playing a lot of games lately uh, one of my favorite from last year I just recently picked up and started it's called uh, the evil within two it's a sequel to evil within one and uh, it's, that's a, that one's a few years old and this one just recently came out but for those who don't know about it it's a survival horror game kind of a spiritual successor in a way to uh, Resident Evil I guess um, it's from one of the same creators of Resident Evil 4, um, this game is, uh, set inside of kind of a virtual reality type of a universe, um, that has gone haywire, and you are tasked with solving or fixing this, uh, universe. Um, you are attached to this system, and it's called the STEM. Um, when, when you are attached to the system, your subconscious becomes a part of this network of subconsciouses. Um, and then, um, Everyone's subconsciousness is kind of based off of this one person's brain. It's like the base of the whole system. And then when that... It's called the core. And when that whole... Uh, when the core goes missing, uh, that is the uh, what starts the plot. Uh, you go in to find the core. And because the core is gone, there's a bunch of zombies and monsters and stuff. Uh, you're a detective who goes into... Uh, find the Missing Core, who is also your daughter, and you figure out that there's a serial killer photographer that has kidnapped her, and no. you, you confront the guy. Um, nice. The game's a massive improvement from the first one, I believe. Uh, the first one's awesome, but uh, the gameplay, the improved combat mechanics, and uh, the new open-world feel to it is just wonderful, and I'm, I'm absolutely <laughs> loving it.
2: It's so. Great. You're like, you know your gaming stuff. I do. The way you just described that. (laughs) I'm very impressed (laughs) with you.
0: Uh, Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Uh, Let's see, what have I been doing this week? Uh, Well, so for St. Patrick's Day, I have a few movies that I enjoy watching. Um, We're going to talk about one of them um, in a separate episode, which... (laughs) Uh, By the way, we are setting up a Patreon account, so subscribe. Give us money. Give us (laughs) money so that we can upgrade our audio equipment, please. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, if you uh, donate on Patreon, you will get access to this additional episode in which we talk about one of my favorite St. Patrick's Day movies. Um, But one of the ones that I will talk about here is called um, Waking Ned Divine," which I love. Have you guys seen that movie?
1: Not. I I've heard of it. okay yeah.
0: yeah so it's about this uh this cute little irish town that's mostly full of like elderly um people elderly residents and one of them wins the lottery and dies in shock and but nobody else knows that he is dead so the main characters are trying to track down and figure out like they know that somebody in the town has won the lottery and they're trying to figure out who it is and cozy up to them so that they can get a share of the money um Mm -hmm. and then they throw this big party and everybody comes and they grill everybody and realize no none of these people who bought lottery tickets like actually won anything and then they realize there's somebody missing it's ned devine um, so they go to his house and find him dead with the winning lotto ticket.
1: Um, but he's written his
0: name on the back, so nobody can claim the money except for Ned Divine. So they decide. Um, one of them has a dream in which Ned is trying to share a chicken dinner with him. And he's like, the chicken dinner is symbolic of the winnings. <laughs> and so they pretend, like one of them pretends to be Ned Divine, and They have to fool the guy from the lottery into hmm. thinking that he's really Ned divine, and okay. and then they end up, in order to do this, they have to convince the entire town to play along, and they're like, we're going to split it evenly amongst all, like, 56 people in this town, and yeah, it's cute.
2: So well, that's it. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> great.
0: Yeah. But anyway, cool. Well, um, like I said today, we're going to be talking about The Departed. Um, so what are your guys' first exposures to The Departed? a so, Fairly really newish movie. It's like what? Ten years old? Nine yeah, years it's old? Is it
2: two thousand six? Yeah, it should uh, be <laughs> somewhere.
1: Oh <laughs> it's
2: right on my laptop. Two thousand six. Yeah. Okay. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. I watched it in preparation for this episode. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna lie. Like Scorsese, um, I feel like I'm gonna keep saying this on this show. I didn't watch radar movies for a long time. Um, Scorsese is kind of like notorious for infamous, what have you, for like his bloody, violent films. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so it should be no surprise to anyone that I haven't seen a lot of them, um, except Hugo. <laughs> I saw that when that came out. Um, but anyway. Anyway, so I watched this in preparation, and spoiler alert: I really, really liked this movie a lot. Good, so sweet. How about you, Brent?
1: Well, I think the first time I watched this movie was about two years ago, maybe, maybe like three years ago. Oh man, it might have been four years ago. It was quite a while ago, Um, but uh, it immediately, at the time, became my favorite movie. I loved it. I loved it so much, and back then I wasn't super interested in film like I am today. Um, and this was this movie was one of the the pivotal moments in just my love of film. And uh, unlike Shannon, I'm I love violent movies a little bit more. And Apparently, I do. I've watched so many of <laughs> Scorsese's movies as a result of seeing The Departed. Um, and he's since become my, my, like, all-time favorite director. So I just, it was, it was mind-boggling and just fantastic on every level. And it's one of those movies that I can remember how I felt uh, through most of the movie. And just, I was glued to it at every second, which typically does not happen during movies for me. <laughs> Being glued like at every moment. Yeah. So.
2: For the record though, I apparently really like violent movies now. Yeah, because we both like Tarantino oh, yeah. and we like we've gone together with our dad. To see. Yep, that was um, fun. Yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> um
0: anyway, yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, so for my first exposure, I have to be honest, this right here is my first exposure because I that haven't seen so it yet. Cute. I know, I feel bad. I rented the movie and just Jessica Jones came out, guys, and I just, I never got around to watching it. So. Some of us are truly committed and have put off <laughs> Jessica Jones. I'm just kidding. I know. You're the one who's
2: really committed to this podcast, Shannon. I it is know. like three hours long. Is it over three hours no, or it's, just it's, under? it's
1: under. I think it's two hours and 50 minutes or something like yeah, that. Yeah, okay.
2: So just under yeah. <laughs> three hours. It is so long. Oh, man. It's um, Scorsese
1: movie, so. Yeah.
2: I mean, it, it was daunting reading that, but then it like moves really, Really fast because there's so much happening. So, but it's not surprising to me that you didn't make time <laughs> to do it because it is so long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure.
0: Cool. Well, Shannon is going to lead us through the plot summary, which yeah, I, I have heard is very in-depth, so it, it I'm excited. It really
2: is. <laughs> Brett's going to help me out since he's seen it more than I have. I, um, I might. <laughs> um, I have a, first, though, I actually wanted to talk about some background. Yes. Um, again, Brett will help me out on this. Um, so The De- The Departed is actually a remake of a film from Hong Kong called Infernal Affairs.
1: Internal mm-hmm. Affairs.
2: Infernal Affairs.
1: It's infernal affairs. Yes, oh. I'm
2: going. I'm well, just man. ready to explain why that is.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: Um, so the Chinese title of this film is the Unceasing Path. Well, in Chinese, but the English translation of it is that, um, which is a reference to the lowest level of hell in Buddhism. And so, how they ended up with the actual English title of it infernal affairs is if you've seen the movie internal affairs like there's this internal investigation going on within the police department but then infernal meaning like of the inferno um Mm. so it's kind of this play on words which i thought was really clever and i sort of wish we went with that title (laughs) um but i'll tell you later why i think the departed also works as a title but anyway um this film was a huge hit in China. It won a bunch of awards. It won best film at the Hong Kong uh, Film Awards, which is like the Oscar equivalent there. Um it was followed up by Infernal Affairs 2 and Infernal Affairs 3. Ooh, wow. Um, so very popular. <laughs> let's not do a sequel to this English Please. one. Um let's see. And then so the end is so I was reading over the plot and Brett has actually seen this film. Um it's all kind of similar except for the end so maybe we'll wait until we talk about the end of the departed and
1: okay. then talk
2: about the Ooh. end of infernal affairs a little bit um and they actually in mainland china change the ending of it because of um i don't know china <laughs> <And> <laughs> having like restrictions with um certain films anyway so maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later um see what else I also read that this film the characters in this version of it the American version um are loosely based on the famous gangster um Woody Bulger and Mm -hmm. a corrupt FBI agent John Connolly which I didn't actually read more about but there's that (laughs) (laughs) for you um should have done more research there but go and look (laughs) that up kind of based in that um anyway so getting into this film um, it starts with Frank Costello, who's played by Jack Nicholson. Um, he's an Irish American mobster, and so really, this is just where the Irishness comes into it. <laughs> yeah. We're we're really stretching here for St. Patrick's Day, but <laughs> it's a great film. So. Um, Yeah, he's a mobster. Um, It kind of starts like with going through kind of scenes of like riots that have happened um, through centuries. Uh, Castell is really racist. (laughs) Um, Really racist. Yeah, so he kind of talks in the beginning how with these riots, like there's civil rights movement going on and all of this, and he says he he doesn't like African Americans and this whole plight um, for them getting civil rights because he feels that they. Um, just he, well, the quote I have here is you have to do whatever possible to take what you want. So he feels like they're just expecting things to be given to them. And whereas he, you really have to like work to get what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, so starts with that. And then, um, he, we see him, um, at this shop in town and everyone kind of knows Costello and he's kind of this, um, yeah mob boss guy figure. Um, but he's trying to collect... So he's collecting protection money from the shop owner. Um, and he kind of makes a really gross pass at his daughter. He's like, the shop owner's not paying him as much kind as of a he threat, wants. Yeah. yeah, and so he... I won't even say it's really it's gross. So he talks about his daughter, but um, anyway, and then he sees this young kid that's kind of watching him Colin Sullivan, um, who's at the counter, and he costello tells the shop owner like um asks he asks sullivan about his dad but then tells the shop owner like get this kid some groceries and he gives him some money and kind of says like when he get older there's more where that came from and whatnot um so these first scenes are just of costello like grooming sullivan um to work for him pretty much um from this really young age um sullivan's played by matt damon um right (laughs) i'm gonna keep getting him and leo confused i probably will too (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so he grooms sullivan and sullivan ends up becoming a police officer we see him going through the police academy um and castello's done this so that he can be a mole basically within the police department and keep him informed of everything that's happening um so he completes the police academy He was transferred um, to the state police force, the special investigations unit um, that's, ironically enough, or not so much, probably intended. Um, It's focused on organized crime, so he's one of the very people that's trying to catch Costello, um, and he's on Costello's side. So you have that. And then we go back at the same time, we have someone else that's currently in the police academy, um, and that would be Billy Costigan, who's played by Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, he, uh, his extended family was, like, really tied to organized crime, but I think he's kind of against his family, like, he doesn't really want to have anything right, to do yeah, with that. Yeah, that's
1: why he wants to be in the in the police, because yep. he wants to kind of shred, uh, the legacy that his uncle had, I believe. Yeah.
2: Um, so anyway, um, that's kind of his history, but he goes in, and I should said before, like, Sullivan goes in and there's these two guys, Queenan and Dignam. Am I getting these right? Mm-hmm. So there's Martin Sheen and uh, Marky Mark, <laughs> Mark mm-hmm. um, or that that work for the police. And when Sullivan goes in there and talks to him, they're like, oh, he's so great. We want him to work in this unit and blah, blah, blah. Um, then we see kind of the mirrored scene of Costigan going in there and they just start harassing him and they don't want him to be a cop and they're trying to pressure him uh into disqualifying himself because his family has his background in organized crime and they just think he's a crook Um, and they say you're too smart for this or whatnot Um, but Costigan kind of like stands up to him Is like no I want to do this I want to get I don't want to go my uh, down the path that my family's gone um, and so what they do is they offer him a job um, as an undercover police officer. But what he has to do is quit the police academy and serve like, serve time in jail for this crime he didn't actually commit to convince everyone that he actually is a crook. And then he'll eventually inf- infiltrate uh, Costello's mob. Um, so he does that. And uh, Queen... Quina and Dignum are the only two that know that uh, Costigan is undercover. That's important to note later. Um, so Costigan has been in jail, and then he gets out, and he tries to um, finance a drug deal dealer, a uh, drug deal with his cousin. Um, yes, so his family still has like ties to crime. Uh, They go to meet this guy called Mr. French at a bar to do this drug dealer. Mr. French works for Costello. Um, There's a part where Costigan orders a cranberry juice. Another guy in the bar says, what, are you on your period? And he ends up, like, beating the crap out of him. Um, And Mr. French comes up and says, like, you can't beat up certain men just so you know. But, like, this guy isn't one of them. But we kind of get the hint, like, okay, if Costello or one of his guys come around, you can't be doing that um Costigan then goes and confronts these mobsters that are doing it's a store kind of similar to the beginning they're um trying to get protection money out of these people and he also beats the crap out of them um ends up breaking his hand and Costello finds out about this occurring and he like summons Costigan to um, meet with him so he offers um him protection so because he beat these guys up now the mafia is sort of after him and um, Costello says, like, I can protect you, um, now that like, this other, is it like a rival mob or something is after him?
1: Uh, I think so, but I think Costigan I mean, not Costigan, but uh, Costello? Yeah, I think Costello has more power than them, so he, he can, yeah. like, broker the, the release of the Yeah. Know, I guess, quote-unquote release of Costigan. Uh-huh. If, uh...
2: So, yes. So they're talking, Costello wants him on his side, but they check Costigan for wires, so they know that he had been like training to be a cop, so they check him for wires, um, and there's this really horrific part, which is probably the most yep. uncomfortable I was <laughs> through the movie. So he has his cast on his arm, because he broke his arm. Mm-hmm. Um, they think that there's a wire in the cast, oh. and so they smash open the cast with ah. his broken arm, and then Costello is like trying to get him to say like I'm still a cop I'm undercover and so he just starts beating his arm with his shoe and it's really uh, made me cringe so bad um anyway so they're trying to get him to confess to being the cop he holds out and so they accept that he's part of this mob wants to be part of him so they let him in um in the meantime, we've seen Sullivan has been pretty much at every turn when the investigators like try to get Costello, he's been leading them away secretly, but he's so sly about it that he gets away with it. So there's this point where they've stolen these microchips. They're to like guide missiles or something.
1: Yep, they're sorry,
2: pause. When is this set? Uh,
1: That's it's a good It's. I think it's, it's supposed to be set, set when about the movie, movie. came out. If not, maybe within the last decade of when the movie came out. I was gonna say you don't
2: get like an old vibe. It it could be Uh, nineties,
1: early two thousands, is my guess.
2: That's yeah. Okay, that sounds right. All right. Um, yeah. So missiles. (laughs) Anyway, um, just as an example of like the thing he does. They're trying to catch them. Trying to sell these stolen microchips, but they so and they even have like cameras on them, and they're trying to get them, but sullivan tells them that so they sneak out the back of this warehouse and leave on these boats um and the police don't realize until they're already gone um so he keeps like making moves like that um important to note here too that sullivan starts dating the psychiatrist named madeline madden um played by vera formiga um mm-hmm. she's awesome i haven't seen her in much so this is a delight to see more of her um anyway uh, Costigan is also seeing her, um, but as a patient of hers, um, it was part of his probation to, like, meet with the psychiatrist. And you can see that, like, he's really attracted to her, too. Um, so it's weird that, like, the two moles are both kind of seeing the same woman. Um, anyway, with all of this going on, like, both parties find out that there's a mole within their organization, or they suspect that there is, um and so let's see on costello's side he's telling sullivan um there's a rat amongst my crew you got to find out who it is and sullivan because he has all of this um he has all like the police records he says like get all of their social security numbers and their information and i'll like look up and find out who it is um within our records um is he's compiling that costigan like, sees the envelope and corrects... I'm trying to remember now what it says on it. Does it It, it misspells citizens. So he corrects it. it says citizens on it. He fixes it. So he knows what the envelope looks like, is the point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, On the police side of it with Costigan, um, he tells Marky Mark, um, I'm just going to keep calling him that, Mm -hmm. um, that there's a mole, but he's like, we need more evidence to see that that's actually happening. Um, And so... Costello, um, I, he's going to try to get more evidence, but when he's like looking through stuff, he actually finds out that Costello is, has been an FBI informant, and that's why prosecutors have a hard time um, indicting him, arresting him because he's, yeah, been an informant. So a lot of moving parts here.) Um, <laughs> Going back to the relationship between this, um, Sullivan and Madeline, and Madeline moves in with Sullivan. Costing um, goes to talk to her um, at her house as she's, like, moving out, um, and this is, like, one of the only people he can confide in, and they end up sleeping together. So, again, both of them after the same woman, and it's crazy that they haven't run into each other yet. Um, Let's see. So Sullivan actually gets put in charge of the investigation to find the mole, even though he is the mole, um, because of his immaculate record within the department. Um, Costigan follows Costello to there's it's all c's that's how it gets yeah, confusing yeah. um he follows so costello jack nicholson to a porn theater <laughs> there's a really uncomfortable part there
1: yeah um, there is
2: yeah um but anyway he sees that costello is meeting with sullivan but he doesn't know it's sullivan it's just this dark figure costello hands sullivan the envelope with all the information in it and costing him one they leave is like trying to follow Sullivan out of the theater to see his face and figure out who it is. Um, but neither of them end up, end up seeing each other. Um, let's see. So next thing is that Sullivan, um, Sullivan tells Costello and his group that they need to follow Queen. And so he kind of catches wind that there's like this undercover cop. Right. Um, and so he figures that's the rat. Um, so he sends, um, Kistel's group like off with Queenin to figure out. And he's off to meet with Leo Costigan. Uh, so they're going to get caught, um, but Castello's guys like call Costigan because they don't know he's the rat saying, oh, we're going to go and get the rat. So he finds out that they're coming and so he can kind of leave. Um, but when the- so he leaves um, and they just find Queen in there on his own. They kill him, throw him off of the roof where they were meeting. And so once Leo comes down, he the body falls basically right next to him. And it's really alarming. Um, so anyway, Leo just like joins the group pretending. Oh, I was going to meet up with you guys the whole time um one of the mob delahunt is mortally wounded um but he's sitting there like he has this wound but he's figured out so he told leo costigan that um the he finds out he's the mole because when he had told him oh we're gonna go meet the rat. We're going to go track down the rat at this address. He told him the wrong address. And yet Leo showed up there anyway. So he figures he was always the rat, Um, but he dies before he could tell anyone. So it's a tense moment where you think the jig is up and then it's not, Um, which it keeps happening throughout this film. Um, A news report. Then they pretend that Della Hunt, this guy that just died, was the undercover cop. Um, Marky Mark is forced to step down. And honestly, I can't remember
1: why. Um, he's forced to step down because he gets into a fight with Sullivan. Uh-huh. And Sullivan wants the records of the of the um, the undercover cops so that he can work with the undercover cop, right? But Sullivan actually wants the records of the undercover cops so that he can know who the cop is and then give it to Costi- uh, Costello so that they can yeah. kill him off. But obviously we don't know those motives. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, Mark Wahlberg kind of is doesn't he never trusts Sullivan the whole movie he thinks he's like a yeah a tight wad kind of and he doesn't he never trusts him yeah so he says screw you, I'm not giving the records yeah and but he and then the guy out. ahead of them the like new acting chief or whatever says you're giving him the records or oh yeah like the you're out of here and, and he says well I'm, I'm resigning then. <laughs> And so yeah. he resigns because he doesn't trust sullivan and he Thank won't give you. up the he, he won't give up the password the, to the to the, the records perfect he leaves.
2: i couldn't remember that and it's important later yeah. <laughs> i'll keep <laughs> telling you what's important later um so sullivan now that queen uh the chief that just died now that he's dead he's kind of like looking through his stuff trying to figure out who the undercover cop was um is and he finds his phone and calls calls the hidden number on the phone um leo answers the phone but doesn't say anything and so yet another moment where they almost catch each other and they don't um i think actually i guess he does talk but he like won't say who he is and he won't just give himself up
1: there's There's one phone call that they they don't talk talk to one another there we go and then later Later on on, i think uh, leo's Leo's character character, Billy, billy Uh, has second thoughts, thoughts about it. I, I think, think he calls, calls him back so that they can talk because he's like, screw this. this. I'm way yeah, too stressed. I need, I need to alleviate some of this. Yeah,
2: and the poor guy, you just feel for Leo this whole yeah, time because he like wants to do the good thing, but they forced him to live this life of crime. And he's he's just going nuts the whole time. And he's like, I want out. I just want to be done. Um, and so, yeah. Um, then where was I? <laughs> um, okay, and then... Amongst uh, Queenan's information, though, Sullivan also finds out that Costello was an FBI informant. Um, so, Costello, his new thing is that they got this, they're picking up some cocaine, so mm-hmm. they have yet another chance to try to catch them. The police, all they actually get there this time, um, and there's a gunfight that erupts, and Sullivan's there, I think, trying, like, he's going to attempt to get Costello out. Costello has been shot, Um, but he's there, shot, and Sullivan, now realizing that he's informed the FBI, and he's actually a double crosser, shoots Costello and kills him. Um, there's this awesome moment that I think plays into it later, and I'm going to butcher it, but he's, um... I feel like Sullivan was talking about, why did you pick me as a kid? Like, what was it about me? And it kind of comes out that Castell, like, he has everything, he's got all this money, he sleeps around with all these women, but he hasn't had a kid. And so yeah. Sullivan was kind of like his attempt at fatherhood, like having a kid. Um, so that'll play in later. Um, so Sullivan now, everyone, he's killed off the guy that knows he's a mole. And everyone thinks he's great because he killed off the guy that knows he's a mole. And so he's now just a hero in the police department. Um, Costigan now is sort of off the hook, I guess, a little bit. Um, He comes to see Sullivan and now that like the mob's been caught, he's like, great, I can't get out of this. He comes back to Sullivan, still not knowing that he was the mole, um, hoping to have his civilian identity restored to get his money, like to just get out of this whole business. Um, But while he's there in the office, Sullivan has that envelope with citizens on it that he had crossed out and corrected. So Costigan recognizes the envelope and then puts it all together. Sullivan's been the mole this entire time. Mm -hmm. Um, So that happens, and he's like... He realizes this, and he tries to get Sullivan to give himself up, um, and he won't. And so what he's like... I can't remember what his threat is, but essentially... (laughs) Like, Sullivan goes and deletes all of Costigan's records that he would, ever was a cop because he doesn't want this guy come back and yeah. turning him in. Um, so now it's not even on record, and no one else knew that he was an undercover cop, so not good for him. Um, again, going back to the romantic interlude, Madeline is pregnant <laughs> and tells Sullivan about it and says it's his kid, but this isn't really his kid. We don't know because she <laughs> slept with Leo, too. Um, when she's telling him about this, so later on they're living together and so the mail comes in and she sees this package, um, from Costigan. There's also, I forget, Leo goes and sees her one more time and gives her, he gives her a letter saying like, if anything happens to me, like open this letter, right? Yeah. i had forgotten to write that down. And it doesn't, it's never resolved, which drives me I, crazy. Well, I believe that,
1: I believe that is resolved, isn't it? We're Isn't now, the, letter the letter that she opens, oh my, maybe I'm, maybe I'm going to butcher this, but I believe the letter she opens is the one that he had, or he gave her?
2: We'll talk about this
1: at the end. I, I think it is, <laughs> because, it well, because you <laughs> find out later that, that uh, Billy Costigan had something, and I think, I think that's what he mailed to her was this audio tape, wasn't it? Yeah. Why would there be two audio tapes? I don't know. Maybe I'm getting the envelopes mixed up.
2: Okay. Well, the envelope you're talking about, (laughs) they're living together. They've got... um, So this letter from Costigan comes in. It's got these tapes in it. Madeline sees it, though, and sees Costigan's name, and she knows who he is. And so she opens it um, and puts in these... Uh, this file and it turns out that Costello like recorded all of his conversations with Sullivan this entire time and it, Leo ends up with them because like when Costello died because
1: Costello, Costello trusted Costello Costigan Le- more than, than he Sullivan. trusted Sullivan which so is really interesting.
2: he ends up with all of these records Madeline puts it in and then realizes she's been dating this horrible guy <laughs> that's been part of the mob this whole time um so she leaves him um let me see uh he's still so costigan's still threatening sullivan like unless you restore my identity i have all these tapes and i'm gonna give you up um so they agree to meet on the roof um where the chief had died um and so again here's like a whole complicated (laughs) spiel um costigan goes up there but he catches sullivan off guard so he handcuffs him he's got him and he's like gonna shoot him or like force him to like restore his identity yes to to confess um another officer that i didn't mention earlier but it's anthony anderson is in it um he's officer brown um you see him a little bit throughout it but he comes up he like costigan had called him in to help um, but then he sees that he's got Sullivan trapped and he's worked with Sullivan. So he's like, oh, that's not right. Like, this is a setup, and like, I need to help Sullivan out. Um, so he draws his gun on Costigan them. Um, but he's telling him, no, this guy's the mole. He's been working for Costello the whole time. Um, he says, let me just like take him to the cops or whatnot. And so they they're on the roof of this building. They Sullivan and Costigan go down an elevator um and brown goes down the stairs to meet them so the elevator hits the bottom opens someone shoots costi and kills him dead leo um and then you see it's a completely different officer that we haven't even seen much this whole movie um so he shot him in the head. And then Brown, we see Brown come around, shoots Brown, too. And Aww. then he looks at Sullivan and says, what? You thought Costello only had one mole in the police department? So this whole time, he's had another mole. Um, and so he's like, yeah, we got to get these guys and, like, cover this whole thing up and whatnot. Um, but then Sullivan shoots this other cop, <laughs> this other mole, because he wants, he wants to get a fresh start. He wants to get away from the mafia entirely um so again sullivan looks like the hero <laughs> let's kill off all these guys he identifies so he says like this guy was Castella's his name is uh berrigan says he was costella's mole because he was but it was also sullivan really the whole time um with costigan he who is now dead <laughs> it really upset me um he recommends him for a medal of merit um and then it kind of ends so we have Leo's funeral at the end. Um, Madeline shows up there and she's really upset because, like, we can figure out now, like, maybe this was kind of Costigan's kid the whole time. Or at least she wants to believe it was his kid. Um, Sullivan, it, it, like, is trying to get her back, but she ignores him and goes off. Um, he's, But he's like made it out of this like entirely right and like scot-free yeah like n- everyone who knows that he was the mole is dead um
1: huh. well sullivan
2: <laughs> so then sullivan goes back to his apartment after this funeral marky mark is there shoots sullivan dead what and so everyone does in this movie <laughs> except um, for marky mark except for marky mark <laughs> um and that's the end of the film wait and- so why does he shoot why does he shoot Sullivan?
1: Because, because he he figured Leo, it out. he got Leo, the-,
2: the entire time, though, was kind of like, he never believed in Sullivan. And yeah, Leo was like, there's a mole within your department. And he put it all together that he was the mole.
1: Mm. I, I believe, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that, uh, what's her name? Melanie or... Madeline. Madeline? I believe that Madeline sent the tape oh, she got that would over, make sense. To the, over to somebody, <laughs> and right. then it ends up in Marky Mark's I was hands, giving Marky Mark who too much credit. then understands <laughs> who the mole was the whole time, and then goes to kill him.
2: Yeah.
0: Because he's not a cop anymore, right? Because he...
1: Yeah, he resigned. Right. Yeah, okay. But he he was, throughout the whole movie, he's basically a do-whatever-I-want kind of thing.
2: But the whole time, (laughs) here I am thinking freaking Matt Damon is going to get away with everything and the movie really makes you sort of hate him because you're like Leo's all stressed he's really he's the mm-hmm. good one he's really trying to do the right thing and Sullivan's just not he kills people when it's convenient for him he switches sides when it's convenient for him and so you're like he's just going to get away with it and then he doesn't yep. <laughs> and so it was so satisfying um can we talk about no now though the ending of Infernal Affairs yeah
1: okay you, you might want to summarize it.
2: Yeah. Um so what I read is that Lau, so the character, the this Sullivan type character, um, it's the same sort of thing. Like he uses this other guy's a scapegoat, so no one knows he's the mole, closes the case. Um, Chan, who's the like Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio type figure, um, it also died, goes to his funeral. Um, but he just gets off <laughs> like he oh. no one ever catches him and he um it, apparently there's like a flashback that shows like a moment where he wishes maybe it was the moment where he met like the lead mob guy or something but the moment he wishes he could take it all back and just have had a different life mm. um so maybe you feel some remorse for him but also he gets off <laughs> <laughs> um but there is a different ending in mainland china where He, the same thing happens, but he turns himself in because you can't just have the crook get (laughs) away when it's China. So. Interesting. Anyway.
0: Cool. Yeah. Setting up for Infernal Affairs 2 and Infernal Affairs (laughs) 3. Exactly. (laughs) What did you think, Courtney? (laughs) I'm really excited to go and watch the movie now.
2: It's so cleverly done. I probably didn't like, (laughs) hopefully I set it up. Enough, but like you'll get more out of it watching it because the way every time you think they're gonna get them, they're gonna get them, and then they keep not getting them. (laughs) um Yeah, my I wanted to talk quickly too. Like my thing about this movie. So with it, with uh, it being titled The Departed, like what I think is great. So Madeline's pregnant. It could be either of these guys. Then we have this moment with Costello where we kind of learn. He wanted a kid like that was the one achievement he never reached and what i like about it is that we can sort of assume like costigan out of these with these terrible crooks i assume that he's the one that's the father of this kid so it's him who will have the legacy live on, right? Or even if he's not really the father, Madeline's going to pretend like he's the father, right? Because Sullivan was terrible. So he's going to be the one that lives on after this, whereas the other two are going to be forgotten, because they had no children, and everyone hated them in the end. Um, So I really liked that. Like, Leo kind of gets his revenge a little bit, because he's the only one that's going to matter. Um, so that was my reading of it. Oh, that's, that's smart
1: that I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that yet.
2: I don't know if you think about it that way, but anyway, good stuff. Other things I liked about it, the music in it is super great. Um, there's like a fight scene. I think it starts with Gimme Shelter by Rolling Stones. Uh, yeah, I really like. And then there's a fight scene with nobody but me. The <laughs> nobody, nobody can't do the skates. Yep. That one. Um, it's so great. I've had that in my head for weeks now. But <laughs> anyway, do we <laughs> do you have anything else to say <laughs> about this film, its impact? And oh, not? I mean, I have, <laughs> I have
1: plenty to say on the, the, yeah. the whole movie. But um, uh, I feel like what was genius about the movie is, uh, was that Scorsese is trying to draw parallels between these two characters. They're like these two personas. And he contrasts them throughout the whole movie and, and compares them, too. And it's, it goes to this whole theme in the movie of are you set in stone as a person? Are you – you are what you are and you'll always be that thing? Is that, is that a truth? Yeah. Or not, because they they uh, allude to this idea that you're defined by your heritage. Like mm-hmm. at, at the beginning, when Billy Costigan is trying to get into the police force, it's like your uncle was in the mob, you and you did this, and your father did this, and you're you're a nobody, so you're not going to be a cop. But then they they accept Sullivan so easily, e- despite the fact that it's really Sullivan who's the one that's been kind of a uh, Dirty. engendered to be an awful character, <laughs> whereas Billy's been engendered to be like a kind person. Yeah. So they're it's setting the, this up to be like to have you question whether or not people are going to be who they are forever. And they also I like it. this idea that, <laughs> that you can't be two people at once because Billy is trying to be this, he's trying to be this uh, gruff, kind of nasty, um, mob mobster guy and and there's this one scene in the movie where he shoots this guy in the leg um well he's going he's going after to find information to see uh I, I believe it's to see if like what's what uh Costello's deal is and he shoots this guy in the leg and he's totally freaked out he has this big episode and even though he's he plays his like kind of depression and anxieties as part of his character throughout most of the movie. I think that's the thing that's it really is wearing at him. That's that's kind of transparent is the fact that he's so stressed out the movie because he actually isn't that type of a character. He's actually a good guy. And Sullivan, on the contrary, uh, Scorsese uses the editing I believe to like. Always contrast the two of them, especially at the beginnings. He yeah, he puts one scene, cost again, like and immediately flips the over. Academy, yeah.
2: and you get the same exact setup with both of them. Yeah, like they're doing drills or something. Yeah, right. So you have both Sullivan, brilliant. who's the same
1: character, um, but he's kind of he's kind of flipped over, and he's um, he's having all these all this stress because he's trying to be this cop that he he really isn't. So
2: and. Could there be anything more brilliant than casting Matt Damon as Sullivan though? Because he doesn't look like the crook type. Yeah. <laughs> so I yeah, I thought that was so smart. And Leo, like the way he looks in this film, he looks like a little bit more unhinged. And so <laughs> you would you would think it would have been the other way around, right? And so right. yeah, it was really smart think, <laughs> to do it that way. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's really smart. Um yeah, this film, um, just cause I always have to make the Oscar tie into it. Um, it's Martin Scorsese's, I think the only he won Best Director that year and it was his first win, only win thus far. Um, and the film won Best Picture. And I remember yeah. I hadn't seen the movie at the time, but we talked about how I watched the Oscars even when I had no knowledge of the Oscars. <laughs> and I remember everyone just being like, yes, like this is his moment because he made so many legendary things up until that point. Yeah. Between goodfellas right. and everything else like this is his type of thing like the i think he's most famous for his mob mobster kind of stuff yeah mm-hmm. goodfellas
1: is another i mean kind of similar ode to the, to yeah. the mob that's also brilliant in that regard
2: hmm. yeah Anyway. Cool. Yay. <laughs> Go and watch it, though. It's so <laughs> clever. I mean, for those of you, though, that don't want the violence in it, like, it is extremely bloody. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of swearing. Um, I thought that the Boston accents in this were pretty decent, though. Yeah. Like, I feel I've never been to
1: Boston, Boston so <laughs> <I don't laughs> No, do really but... exactly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, with St. Patrick's Day, to again make that tie-in, like, we could have picked other... Like there's Good Will Hunting or The Town. I feel like I've seen a lot of Boston films and I'm not good at picking up on accents, but it felt like more legitimate. There are a lot of films where that's an easy accent to screw up. Yeah, for sure. So when we talk about our other film Mm -hmm. (laughs) for St. Patrick's Day and the terrible accents within that one.
1: Oh no. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm really excited about that. Uh, cool. Anyway. so we have Shannon's recommendation. But yeah. what is your recommendation? Watch oh, it, don't I'm, watch
1: it. Yeah, yeah. Th- 3 thumbs, thumbs up if you. I could grow a third arm.
2: Does this Great. still where does this rank? Cuz I know that you love Fight Club oh, yes. a lot. So So, so this is a, officially my
1: second favorite movie. Fight Club's one and that was <laughs> That happened it after. after, it, it got, got demoted, demoted after I saw Fight Club. I think I like time. this more than Fight Club, <laughs> <laughs> i got to say. Me and the violent movies. movies. Yeah. Maybe I'm just, oh, I don't know, who am I? I'm yeah. Maybe I'm really violent.
0: Fight Club, that's another one we're going to have to cover on this podcast. Oh, absolutely.
2: we got to do a whole, like, David Fincher thing, I think. Mm, yeah. Because I like a lot of Fincher stuff. Yeah. But anyway. Cool. Yay. Well, I think that's it for us this week. Um,
0: join us next week when we are going to be talking about, what are we talking about? Wes Anderson? Yeah. Next week? yeah. In
2: preparation for Isle of Dogs. Brett's cringing because he doesn't <laughs> like Wes Anderson I'm movies, good. I'm good over here. But too bad. We're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so next week we're going to be
0: doing Wes Anderson. Uh, we're going to have special guest Mindy on for that. Um, In the meantime, you can catch us on CastBox FM, Player FM, and iTunes, and right here on popculture-footnotes.com. You can also catch us on Twitter, at PC Footnotes, or on Facebook, Pop Culture Footnotes. you know, we are always accepting suggestions for future episodes. So if there's totally. something that you want to hear us talking talk about, then uh, shoot us an email, popculturefootnotes at gmail.com. Um, and then one last pitch here. Sorry, I know I'm stacking up a lot on the end there. But um, we, like I said at the beginning of the episode, we are starting a Patreon account. So go and uh, check that out. And if you like what Give you Give us hear, your money. <laughs> <laughs> If you like what you hear, of please donate, and we you will get our bonus St. Patrick's Day episode. Uh, yeah. Brett, where can people find you?
2: <laughs> Here at this table right uh, now. Yeah, yes. that's that's
1: about it. I do not have a YouTube channel or anything. But
2: great. Sweet. I'm good.
1: I'm pleasure being a guest.
2: <laughs> well, thank you for coming. When on. we do more video game stuff, yes. we missed you last time for it, but mm-hmm. yeah, true gamer here, like most yes. knowledgeable person I know when it comes to that yes. stuff.
1: If you'd, if you'd like to look me up on Xbox,
2: <laughs> my yeah, gamer tag
1: here. is coolman686. There you go. Came up with it when I was like 14, so.
0: <laughs> it's funny how those things stick with us. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. It's really
0: unfortunate. <laughs> we won't get
2: into that no, too much.
0: <laughs> cool. Well, that's it for us this week, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.